My name's Dave Shive, and I'm one of the pastors here at TBA, and it's great to be with you here this morning. You know, each week <clears throat> we come out and we introduce ourselves to you, and I ask how you're doing, and I give you my name, and I know we do this as a form of introduction, but what does it really tell you about who I am? What does it tell you about myself? For those of you that don't know me, <clears throat> it's a good first step because now you know my name, but it doesn't really tell you anything about me. It just gives you something to call me. So let me tell you who I am. I am married to an amazing woman named Ashley, who I don't deserve, but I am thankful that God gave her to me. I have a wonderful son, Marshall, who I am immensely proud of, the man he is becoming in Christ. I'm a pastor who never thought he would be a pastor, and my degree is actually in chemistry. I worked in the business world for the first part of my career until God called me into ministry. I have a passion for our youth, and it's my desire to see teenagers fall in love with Jesus Christ so that they carry a foundation of faith with them for the rest of their lives. I love Kentucky basketball. I'm not too happy about their exit from the tournament, but I love them anyways. I love to cook, and I don't mean biscuits and gravy kind of cooking, even though I cook a mean biscuits and gravy, but I like foo-foo kind of cooking. I like to do that kind of stuff. I'm a huge sci-fi fan. I'm a science nerd. I love to see how God is intertwined in every aspect of creation. By the way, did you know that a dog's sense of smell is a thousand times more sensitive than ours? And you probably knew that, but do you know why? Do you know why that is? It's because in the nose, there's a membrane that has all of these little notches cut out in it. And each notch fits like a puzzle piece of a molecule into that notch. So when you smell chocolate chip cookies baking, what happens is that chocolate chip cookie molecule comes up into your nose and tries to find the notch that it fits into. And then when it finds it, it goes click, and your, your brain registers chocolate chip cookies. Now, dogs just have a whole lot more of those notches than we do. That's why they can smell better than us. So, yeah. I'm a science nerd. So those are the kind of things that we use to describe ourselves. It's the good side of who we are. Or at least it's the side that we like to show to people. It's the fake book side that we show. <clears throat> but there's another side of me. There's a darker side. A side that we don't really want people to know. Because while I, I am all of those things I just described to you, I'm also a person who struggles with social anxiety and depression. I struggle with lust and self-control. I'm prone to outbursts of anger with my family. And I am a compulsive overeater. And I'm addicted to food. Now the reason I tell you those things that I struggle with is because I know this. I know that all of us struggle with something we all have different things that we struggle with. Everybody has something in their life that they're having trouble overcoming. Everyone. Did I say everyone? Let me say it again. Everyone. Everyone has a hurt, a habit, or a hang-up that keeps us from being all that God has called us to be. And everyone needs help in overcoming it. Please do not be fooled by the enemy by playing the comparison game. Do you know the comparison game? Here's how it's played. It goes like this. 
when you look at the fake book side of people and we see how, we, how their life is all together and then we wish that our lives were like their lives. And then we look at the brokenness and the darkness that's inside of our own lives and we feel guilt and shame about it. And then we start to believe the enemy's lies that we're the only person that struggles with whatever we struggle with. And so we build up these walls and we wear masks and we hide from each other. And we create our fake book side of things. We create the fake book side of who we are so that people can't really see how much we're hurting inside. And then the cycle just perpetuates itself. And the results are a group of people who are all struggling, who are all hurting, but who are afraid. Who are afraid of being vulnerable because of fear, because of rejection, rejection and judgment, which we often reinforce because we're judgy people. And we like to put other people down so we can elevate ourselves and feel better about our own darkness. So we build these walls and we, ne- we never let anybody get close enough to us. And then we continue to hurt and we continue to struggle and we continue to fail to overcome. And the enemy wins. He wins. And I don't know about you, but I'm tired. I'm tired of running around in circles. I'm tired of failing over and over again. And it's time for the cycle to break and for change to happen in my life and in your life as well. So like they said in our Vision 15, we're starting a new series, Celebrate Recovery. And if you are still thinking, well, yeah, this isn't for me. Well, yeah, it is for you. It is for you. Celebrate Recovery is for everyone. And we're going to talk in this series about how to handle and how to overcome the hurts that are in your life, the habits that are messing up your life, and the hang-ups that have caused pain in your life, hurts, habits, and hang-ups, because God wants to heal all of those. And Isaiah 57, he says, I have seen what they do, and I will heal them anyways. I will lead them. I will comfort those who mourn, bring words of praise to their lips. May they have abundant peace, both near and far, says the Lord, who heals them. See, this is an amazing promise from God. God is saying, in spite of your brokenness, in spite of the mistakes you've made, in spite of the fact that you've been hiding from me, in spite of your sin, I still love you. And I want to heal and restore you. If you're hurting, I want to heal you. If you're confused, I want to lead you. If you've ever felt helpless to change anything, I want to help you change that. If you felt that nobody understands your problem, I want to comfort you. If you feel anxious and worried and afraid, I want to offer you peace. See, the truth is life is tough. We live in an imperfect world. We're hurt by other people. We hurt ourselves and we hurt other people. And the Bible says that we've all sinned. That means none of us are perfect. We've all blown it. We've all made mistakes. We hurt and we hurt others. That's why I say this series is for everybody. Everyone in this room needs recovery. Unless you've lived a perfect life. And if you have, I'd like to talk to you about your lying problem. But if you haven't lived a perfect life, if you've been hurt, if you ever had a hang-up or a habit and you'd like to get rid of it, you need recovery. You need recovery. What do you need recovery from? Now, I put some common things that people struggle with in your insert. And I want you to take a few moments... And I want you to circle the ones that you need recovery from. 
Now, this isn't a complete list, so if your hurt, habit, or hang-up isn't on here, just write it down. Don't worry. Don't worry about what your neighbor sees or doesn't see. Again, we have to start breaking this cycle. I told you all of my junk. I did. So there's no judgment for me. And let me say this as well. There aren't some struggles that are worse than others. Man, we are so good at ranking ourselves and each other in the self-perceived order of self-righteousness. Sexual addiction is no more dark than compulsive exaggerating, which is lying. I was telling the guys the other day, we were in our director's meeting, and I was saying to the guys, I was reading in Romans in my quiet time, and I was telling them how funny I thought it was this passage in Romans, because Paul lists all of these horrible sins that God hates. And he says this, he says, Since they thought it was foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking, and he let them do things that should never be done. And their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, gossip. They're backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, boastful. They invent new ways of sinning. And then he adds, at the end of this, and they disobey their parents. And it seems like that shouldn't be in this list. But the truth is, it shows that we have no right to judge and compare ourselves to each other, whether we're a murderer or we disobey our parents. In God's eyes, we're all sinners in need of a Savior. And honestly, compared to the righteousness of Jesus Christ, which is the standard, we're all filthy rags in need of grace and mercy. So if you're one of those people who judge others to hide your own darkness and are looking down on somebody else's struggle, it is time for you to step off of your high horse and realize that you're just like the rest of us. You're just like the rest of us. But here's the good news. Regardless of the problem that you need recovery from, whether it's emotional, financial, relational, spiritual, sexual, whatever it is, regardless of what you need recovery from, the steps to recovery are all the same. They're always the same. And the principles for recovery are found in the Bible. See, back in 1935, a couple of guys created what we know as the classic 12-step program of Alcoholics Anonymous. And they did that based off of Scripture. And it's used by hundreds and thousands of other recovery groups. There are 20 million Americans in a recovery group every week. And there are over half a million different recovery groups. And all of them, all of them are based off of Scripture. They're based off of God's words. And while Celebrate Recovery is accompanying those 12 steps, it's so much more than that. It's acceptance, it's encouragement, it's accountability, it's community, it's worship, it's prayer, it's fellowship, it's celebration of Jesus, the ultimate restoration specialist. So for the next eight weeks, we're going to explore what it looks like to find recovery from our hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Now, this is a Rick Warren series, and because it's a Rick Warren series, Rick loves acronyms. And so we're going to use the word recovery as an acronym and take each letter of that word to summarize the eight steps on the road to recovery. And we're also going to be sharing testimonies each week like Amanda's, like you heard today. And there's a reason we want to do that. One is because we want you to see that all of us are broken and in need of Jesus. The second thing we want you to see is that God can take your brokenness 
and do what you think is impossible in healing and restoring your life. So we're going to share those testimonies each week. So let's jump in to the first step. The first R, the R in recovery stands for realize. I have to realize that I'm not God and admit that I'm powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong things and that my life is unmanageable. So let me ask you this question. Do you ever stay up late when you know you should sleep? Do you ever eat or drink more calories than your body needs? Do you ever feel like you should exercise, but you don't? Do you ever know the right thing to do, but you don't do it? Do you ever know something's wrong, but you do it anyways? Have you ever known to be unselfish? I mean, have you ever known that you should be unselfish, but you're selfish instead? Have you ever tried to control something or somebody and found that it was uncontrollable? See, if your answer is to yes to any of those questions, well, welcome to the human race. We're all in need of recovery. The Bible has a word for this. The Bible calls that tendency my sin nature. See, my sin nature gets me into all kinds of problems. I do things that aren't good for me. I do them even though I know they're self-destructive, like eating Oreos at midnight. And I don't do the things I know that are good for me, like getting up and exercising. I respond the wrong way when I'm hurt. And that just increases the hurt. I react the wrong way to people. I treat people the wrong way. I burst out in anger with my wife when I should have love. And I lose temper. I lose my temper with my son when I should have patience. See, my sin nature gets me into all kinds of problems, and it gets you into all kinds of problems as well. And you're always going to have this sin nature with you, this desire to do the wrong thing. You're going to have it until Jesus comes and we go to heaven. Even after you become a Christian, you still have desires that pull you the wrong way. Paul understood this. In Romans, he said, And I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. Hold on. It's not moving. Can you all move it for me? There we go. I... I, 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 let's see, all right. And I know nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It's sin living in me that does it. Does this sound vaguely familiar to you? I end up doing what I don't want to do, and then I, I end up end up doing what I don't want to do, and I end up not doing what I should do. So how do we overcome this? Well, the first step to recovery is we have to understand what is the cause of the problem? Why does this happen in our lives? And then we need to look at the consequences of the problem, and then we're going to look at the cure for the problem. So what is the cause of my problem? Can you advance the slide for me, please? Thank you. What's the cause of my problem? The cause of all our problems is this. We want to be God. We want to decide what is right and wrong for our lives. We don't want anyone else telling us what's best for us. We want to make our own rules and live our own way. If it feels good, do it. Basically, we're putting ourselves in God's place of control. What we're really saying is, God, I want control. And see, the more insecure you are, the more you're driven to control. The more insecure you are, the more you want control of yourself and control of other people and control of your environment. You're driven to do this, and it's called playing God. 
See, this is the original problem or the original sin with Adam and Eve. God put them in paradise, and they tried to control paradise. God said, you can have anything you want in this paradise, except one thing. Don't eat from this certain tree. And what did Adam and Eve do? They made a beeline for that tree. The only thing in paradise that was off limits to it. And they went straight to it. And Satan says, eat this fruit, and you will be God. And see, that's been our problem from the very start. We want to be God. We want control. We want to run our own lives. And control is the real issue. See, we want to be in control, and we want to try to control ourselves and other people and everything around us. And we play God by trying to control our image. Go to the next slide for me. Thank you. We try to control our image. We want people, we want to control what other people think of us. We don't want other people to really know what we're like. So we play games and we wear masks and we pretend and we fake it. And we want people to see certain sides of us, that fake book side of us. And we hide other parts and we deny our weaknesses and we deny our feelings. Because we don't want people to see the real us. So we try to hide and control our image. The second thing we do is we try to control other people. See, parents try to control kids, and kids try to control parents. Wives try to control husbands. Husbands try to control wives. We try to control each other in our office, workplaces. Countries try to control other countries, and we use a lot of tools to manipulate each other. We use guilt for control. We use fear. We use praise. Some of you use the silent treatment to control. We use anger and rage. And we try to control other people. The other thing we do playing God is we try to control our own problems. And we're really good at this. We use phrases like, well, I can handle it. It's not really a problem. That's trying to play God. I can handle it. I'm okay. I'm fine. We try to control our problems when we say, I don't need any help. I certainly don't need counseling. I can quit any time. I'll work it out on my own. The problem is the more you try to fix your own problem yourself, the worse your problem gets. Here's the fourth thing. We try to control our pain. Have you ever thought how much time you spend running from pain? I've done it my whole life. I've tried to run from pain my whole life. We try to avoid it, deny it, escape it, reduce it, postpone it. And people try to postpone their pain in many different ways. Sometimes we try to postpone our pain by eating. And that's what I do. Food is a comfort for me. And it eases the pain in my life. Or by not eating. We try to postpone our pain by getting drunk or by smoking or taking drugs or even getting in and out of a relationship. Think about that. I mean, we say this next relationship is what I really need to feel whole and significant, and then we get into that relationship, and, oh, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And so we get out of it, and we get constantly put in and out of relationships. Or you develop some kind of compulsive habit to try to control your pain. You become abusive. You get angry with other people and you're critical and you're judgmental just to try to hide your pain or you get depressed. There are many, many ways we try to control our pain. And when we try to control our image and other people and our problems and our pain, 
it always leads to four big problems. Four problems that always happen when we try to play God. Here's the first one. It's fear. It's fear. When I try to control everything, I get afraid. Adam was afraid. He said, I'm afraid because I was naked and so I hid. We're afraid somebody's going to find out who we really are, that we're fakes, that we're phony, that we don't really have it all together, that we're not perfect. So I don't want anybody to get close to me because if they find out who I really am, they'll see that I'm scared inside. And so we fake it and pretend, and we fill our lives full of fear, afraid that somebody's going to reject us and not love us and not like us because they don't know who we really are inside. They only know an image of us. Because if they really knew what I was like, they wouldn't like me. And so I resent that, and we're filled with fear when we try to play God. The second thing is it's frustration. It's frustrating trying to be God. The moment you think you have one thing under control, another thing pops up. And we think we have that taken care of, and another thing comes. Solve one conflict, and another one comes along. There are times that I think I have my anger under control, and then boom, I find myself yelling at my wife. And it's frustrating, because I don't want to yell. I committed not to yell, and yet here I am yelling. Paul realized this. He says, it seems to be a fact of life that what I want to do what is right and inevitably do the wrong thing. Something else is deep inside of me, this war in my mind that wins the fight and makes me a slave to sin. See, if you're frustrated a lot, it's a symptom of a deeper problem that you've not dealt with. Because the root issue is you're not God. And you're trying to control everything, and it just doesn't work. The next thing is fatigue. It's tiring. Man, is it tiring. It is tiring playing God. It's tiring trying to control everything, pretending that you've got it all together. Denial takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of energy. In Psalms 32, David said this. He said, My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. See, most people try to hide their pain and run from the pain by keeping busy. And we think, we think well, if I keep busy, then I don't have to worry about thinking about things when I slow down. Because I don't really like the sounds that go through my head when I lay my head back on that pillow. And I don't like those feelings, so I'm just going to keep busy. And you run from pain constantly by being on the go and working yourself to death. Or you get into some hobby or some sport and it becomes a compulsion because you're on the golf course all the time. Or you're fishing all the time. Or you're somewhere all the time. Or you can get involved in religious activities you can hide your pain here at church, serving at church. And you're hoping that you'll be so tired that when you go to bed, you'll fall right asleep so you don't have to hear your pain. If you're in a constant state of fatigue, if you're always worn out and you're working self to, yourself to death, you need to ask, what pain am I running from? What problem do I not want to face up to that motivates me and drives me to work and work and work and work? 
so that I'm in a constant state of fatigue. The last problem is failure. When you try to play God, you are guaranteed to fail. You're guaranteed to fail. In Proverbs 28, it says, You will never succeed in life if you try to hide your sins, confess them, give them up. Then God will show mercy to you. See, only God has the power to heal. Only God has the wisdom to solve our problems. Only God has the ability to cleanse us of our sin. But we have to be honest and open about our weaknesses and our faults and our failures. I want you to know that here at TBA, we are committed. We're committed to this place being a safe place where people, real people, can talk about real problems, real hurts, real hang-ups, and real habits, and not be shamed by judgment. We are a family of fellow strugglers. Did you hear me? We are a family of fellow strugglers. There is not a person in this room that has it all together. We're all weak in different areas, and we need each other. We need each other. It's why we're doing this series. It's why we're starting our Friday Celebrate Recovery service here in a few weeks. Because we've all failed. And we all have hurts and problems that we're dealing with. And we have to work through these steps together if we want recovery. So here's the cure. The first step on the road to recovery is to admit your powerlessness. See, the Bible says that admitting my weakness, when I do that, I find strength. That's not a popular idea in our self-sufficient American culture, which says I don't show weakness and don't depend on anybody else, but it is the essential first step in getting your act together. You have to admit you're powerless to do it on your own, and you need other people, and you need God. I know it sounds simple, but believe me, it's often the hardest thing to do. To admit and accept that I'm not God and that I'm weak. To admit that I'm powerless to change my past. Yeah, it may still hurt. I still remember my past, but all the resentment in the world isn't going to change it. I'm powerless to change my past. And I admit that I'm powerless to control other people. Even though I try to manipulate them and I use all kinds of little gimmicks, it just doesn't work. I'm responsible for my own actions, not theirs. I can't control other people. And I have to admit that I'm powerless to cope with my harmful habits, behaviors, and actions. Good intentions, listen to me, listen to me. Good intentions are not enough. They're not enough. How many times have you tried and failed? Good intentions are not enough. Willpower is not enough. You need something more than willpower. You need a source of power beyond yourself. You need God. Do you hear me? You need God because he made you to need him. James 4, 6 says this, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Grace is the power to change. Grace is the power that God gives me to make the changes in my life that I want to make, the changes that he wants me to make. And for you to recover from your hurts and hang-ups and hassles in your life, you need God's grace. And you only get that by being humble 
and confessing your weakness. Band, you guys can come up. So as they come up, let me ask you this. What needs changing in your life? What hurts, hang-ups, or habits have you been trying to overcome, but you can't? What hurts, habits, or hang-ups have you been ignoring that you need to address? See, for many of you, this first step will be the hardest step. To say that I've got a problem, I have a need, I have a hurt, it's hard for many of us to admit that because it's humbling. Because what it's saying is I'm not God and I don't have it all together as much as I'd like everybody to think that I do. I just don't have it all together. Listen, if you tell somebody that you don't have it all together, they're not going to be surprised. Because they know it. God knows it. You know it. You just need to admit it. It means being honest and facing a problem that you've wanted to overcome but you've been ignoring for a long time. So if you're tired like me, if you're tired of facing it by yourself, if you're tired of constantly failing to overcome, if you're tired of trying to do it in your own strength, then you need to join Celebrate Recovery. If you want more information about Celebrate Recovery Service, you can go over to the Livson area and the Celebrate Recovery team is going to be there. They'll be happy to talk to you about the program. I mean, if you can't wait for the launch of Celebrate Recovery because you're in a crisis mode right now, man, I would encourage you to go to the Next Step Center. There are great people there who can help. If you need prayer and you want somebody to pray with you, go to the Next Step Center. I'll be over there as well, and we'll pray with you. We'll pray over you. We'll pray for you. Whatever your needs are today, respond as the band plays. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your amazing grace and the healing power that is in your grace. God, I know that each of us in this room has something that we need to overcome, Father. We all have hurts in our lives, wounds that are deep. We have habits that are hard to overcome and break, and they're keeping us from becoming what you want us to be. They're keeping us from the freedom that you promised us, Lord. So God, my prayer today is that we would Put our pride down and freely admit how much we need you, Lord. And ask, ask for help and take that first step to admit that we are not God. That we're tired of playing God. And submit our lives to you, Lord. We love you and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.